geekery and mess i am victor and i'm nick and this is mega shane right and we have a very special guest all the way from a victor's part of the neighborhood uh (laughs) out west where it's sunny and there's no kind of tomfoolery we have actor a little bit (laughs) just a little bit we have actor and writer (laughs) mr sal on the show how's it going guys it is fabulous it's sunday (laughs) it's shopping day like grocery shopping day because that's the only grocery that's the only shopping (laughs) i'm doing (laughs) yeah it is uh weirdly enough saturday is is shopping for other mess that i don't need and then sunday is like okay let's go get food because today we're not gonna really get food all day so well in any event sal thank you so much for joining us on this episode (laughs) yeah of course it's an honor to be uh to be on with you guys i'm really excited about today's topic i have a lot of feelings so i'm really excited (laughs) So let's uh, catch up. So, uh, Sal, uh, let's start with you. Uh, What have you been doing the past week or so? Anything fun? Watching anything? Reading anything? Playing anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been, I mean, I've been catching up on all the shows. I've been catching up on a lot of movies, actually, lately. Um, I just saw, um, this week, I saw Booksmart, and then I saw um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco last night, which was absolutely wonderful I, I highly recommend going and seeing it if you have the chance um and then i've just been watching uh, on tv um i've been watching the new season of black mirror of course um and i've also been watching i've been binging ducktales the new ducktales and i'm actually sad because i'm all out of episodes so i don't know what to do with myself anymore <laughs> Wait, there's a new a new series of DuckTales? Did I just miss this? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, it's wonderful. It's got, um, so David Tennant is Mc, uh, Scrooge McDuck. Um, mm-hmm. They have um, John Ralphio, the guy who played John Ralphio in Parks and Rec is uh, Dewey. And uh, Danny Pudi from Community is uh, Huey. Um, uh, Catherine Tate is Magica. It is it is wonderful. Lynn Manuel Miranda is Gizmo Duck. It's it is it is wonderful. Wow, did I, did I really just? Uh, I have to do my my Googles. No, I <laughs> they made an announcement a while ago. Yeah, I feel like it kind of came out and flew under the radar a little bit. But I started watching it the other day. You know, when I didn't get want want to get out of bed, and I just sort of went down a rabbit hole. Never came back. <laughs> That's how it is. So, Victor, what about you? What have you been doing? Well, this week, um, just work-wise, there's been a lot. I'm getting ready for August, um, since all the students come back, and I'm in charge of new student programs, so they're about to come back. Um, but, but on the fun note, I'm getting ready for Comic Con. So, I was just looking through the questions. Um, for my panel, which is going to be a black and queer panel at Comic-Con, and um, going to ask, you know, the panelists if they have any, you know, things they want to update to do that, because I always want to have, like, the same, somewhat same questions, but if anything else pops up, we need to go with it. Um, 
and you know just getting ready for that and 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 hopefully that's a good time i won't get sick at the con <laughs> um but hopefully that will be great and i just got through with um um joss wheaton or the wheaton con um this past weekend it's basically everything that joss wheaton has written so if you're a fan of buffy or uh firefly dollhouse everything he's done there was a small convention here in LA where we got to sit on the panel and talk about Buffy with, and if y'all have watched Buffy, there's a character named Kennedy um, and the woman who played her was on the panel. So we had a great time talking with um, her as well as other panelists who are writing for TV. So it's been really fun. And um, our, our friends over in um, Slayer Fest 98 um, hosted it. So it was really great to pay in. And so, yeah, it was just like, really good time and I like great stuff and now just chilling on a Sunday. Love that. Love that. All right for that. Sure. I know I'm not doing a motherfucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting my happy black ass at home playing too much video games. What are you playing? So right now I finished up um Mortal Kombat 11 I've got my platinum trophy uh thank god because I was not trying to go further into the crypt and find out Devorah's fucking place to run across some spiders because that's I'll put the game down before I do that um (laughs) what else nothing really else just getting ready for pride because you know Lexington's Pride is not till the end of the month. Um, Mm -hmm. Getting, probably have to work one of the booths, which I'm not looking forward to because I just don't want to be bothered. Um, And it's weird, like, since I've been coming, well, since I've been going to our Pride Festival, like the first couple of ones, I was like, oh, yeah, I wanted to, you know, be out there all day and, you know, do this and do that. Now it's like, okay, I got to do this. And then I just want to go back home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've definitely built my, um, I've started building my, like, recovery day into Pride, into my Pride plans, which I didn't always do before. It used to be like, oh, I don't want to miss anything. And I was yeah. like, what can what can I miss? <laughs> exactly. And like, I, it's like, do I want to go out because I want to be around, you know, soak up the whole pride experience or do I just want fair food? <laughs> That's, the point. That's the point. I mean, uh, fair food is some of my favorites. So. I can fuck up some fair food now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, other than that, you know, trying to keep low. Um, finally, I think what next week will be my last meeting as far as president of this uh, board of directors. So I'll be stepping off that, which, which is good because I need a break. I don't need nobody to be bothering me about shit, (laughs) which probably will not happen. And I will be bothered by some shit. Um, waiting for my vacation. It's not until damn near November which it is what it is, I guess. But at least I'm going somewhere. I need to go on vacation because I haven't even, 
my boss just called me out. She was like, are you going to take vacation? I was like, Comic-Con? She's like, no, are you going to take vacation? <laughs> she was like, you're doing stuff at that. And I was like, I don't know. I, I really need to, like, figure out if I want to go somewhere. Like, I really need to do that. Because I've been sitting around like, oh, I do have, like, two weeks of time. I need to figure out what to do. Ooh, that's a nice big chunk. You could definitely go on, like, a nice, a nice big one. Mm-hmm. I should go visit my mom, but that's in Buffalo. But I should, <laughs> I should do something. Um, oh, I didn't even say this. I lost my wallet. <laughs> um, oh no! But no, no. It, this, this is the weird thing. I lost my wallet Thursday night I, at a restaurant. I asked them, did they, did they have it? They said no. So I, I didn't go to work that Friday. Spent that time trying to, like. I was gonna get my car fixed, had to take my car back out because I didn't have my driver's license. So when you don't have your driver's license or anything, you're basically a nobody. And that was a weird feeling. And I had to go and like get a new car, go to the bank. And because I didn't have an ID, they didn't almost want to believe it was me. So the woman took pity and said, I'm gonna do a courtesy. You can only take out a hundred dollars. And I was like, okay. So I had to get my passport in order to get like a temporary card and everything else. So that weekend was like a little like weird. I went and got a new wallet. My and this is I'll be honest with y'all. I was upset more that I lost my wallet than anything else because the wallet is Louie. And I was like, that's a twenty wallet. I was like, everything else is fine. My money's fine. That's great. Don't need to worry about that. Yeah, yeah but, you know, I have, I, I understand the Louis concern. <laughs> so yeah, when I lost, I was like, okay, well, whoever got a new Louis, well, not really new, the wallet is like eight years old. But anyway, so I went and bought a new wallet. I was like, okay, I have a new wallet. I got to get used to it. Monday, these hoes called and said, oh, we did find your wallet, by the way. And I was <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, thank you after I cut off everything and paid $30 for a new driver's license and then had to pay... $20 for another ID at work. Okay. So, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I can't really complain. <laughs> well, at least nothing. You don't have any um, fraud on your accounts. Yeah. And that's when I realized mm-hmm. that it was not lost, lost because for three days, um, there was, well, for a day and a half, there was no charges, nothing. Um, but I did learn that a lot of people now, when they find wallets, they don't want to touch your cards at all because oh, they yeah. trace. like everything can be told is traced so well these days. Right. Risk to even try to use somebody's card. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. <laughs> the goopery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's go ahead and start with our Aunt Mace tea. And we have a few things to talk about. Uh, Victor, what are we uh, starting out with first? Well, speaking of, since Sal mentioned Black Mirror, um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Striking Vipers. Yes. So this came out, and you know, I didn't even know what to expect, but you know, I saw um, Yaya, and Yaya is a fine-ass man, so I was like, I'm going to watch this, and Nicole Bari, which I'm a huge fan of Nicole since um, Sleepy Hollow. And so I, with these two people in it, these two beautiful people in it, I was like, I have to watch this episode. But I watched this episode, I was like, wait a minute. 
y'all gave me a black Brokeback Mountain slash video <laughs> game slash, you know, you know, what you can think of, Dog Pound. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> y'all giving me so much. And I was just like, okay, this is an interesting episode, but it was a, oh my God, it was really good. I really enjoyed this episode. I don't know, did y'all see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it. Um, I watched it yesterday. Um, and I too, I had no idea what to expect. Um, and yeah, I was not expecting this, um, this sort of down low story with this also fighting video game yeah. that you can also like it's and it's and we've got what Pom Clementoff and Danny uh, or Ludi Lin um, like just getting it on in these video game beaches, and I was not ready for it. <laughs> I wasn't either. Now, and Ludi Lin, okay, I was not familiar, and Nick already knew about Ludi. I did not know. Yes, Ludi was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the Black Power Ranger in yes. uh, the new movie, oh. and he was at uh, my local Comic Con. I was like, I'm all about Ludi for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all I saw was, I, I, I swear to God, I saw so many people when when the new season Black Mirror came out, and they were all posting on their Instagram stories and and tweeting out like, "Who is this man? We need to know who this man is." <laughs> yeah, because y'all keep up. <laughs> Like he is something to look at, and you know, it was good to see um, just how this story really played out. It was very interesting and kept my attention the entire time. Uh, and I, and even though you know, I wish I would have saw a little bit more action between Danny and Carl. Yeah. You know, I was happy that they even had this story to, you know, and somewhat to show somewhat of black gayness in some ways or their attraction to each other. And we can, that's something you can decipher because, you know, what was that really? Was it, you know, their friendship, the fluid, the fluid feelings between them and all that greatness was really interesting. And it mm. it made me really think about a lot about how you do fall for people and sometimes it may be in ways you don't really understand or how you may even try to play it out because think about it when you know we're in a closet <laughs> um ways that we would try to communicate or try to express how we feel about a particular person without being you know just so obvious and trying to keep these feelings within and how they will burn you up from the inside so it was a lot that it was a lot. This was a lot to take in, but I was yeah. glad to really see the story and I liked the way it played out. And um, I have to say, Nicole Bari just played this role really well. I was just glad. I was just glad to see her again. I was just really glad to see her. You know, really I was glad. loving her. Yeah. Yeah, I. Um, you know, one thing that I was thinking about with the episode was just sort of to your point, like. Um, I remember watching it and at first I was like, oh, I wish maybe it had gone further in the real world or maybe they had, you know, kind of landed in a more solid place. But it made me, it did make me think about the way that, you know, we so often think of sexuality and also gender even and uh, also just personal relationships in these very like binary ways, like gay or straight, male or female. And it kind of made me think, I mean, the fact that one of these characters um, found that he really responded to being a female character in this world. Yeah. And so maybe there was a there was something to be explored there. And the fact that um, they were also, 
when they were in the game, like the just the avatars that they were choosing on the set, you know, every time, you know, what did that mean for them in the way that they felt more comfortable expressing their love as an Asian man and a woman? And but in the real world, as these two black men with, you know, everything that goes into that identity, and are they able to connect in the same way? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just such an interesting, you know, it's kind of scratching the surface of, uh, you know, there's a huge iceberg underneath of, of different directions that you can go with that storyline. So I kind of liked that they kept it, the more I thought about it, the more I liked that they kind of kept it open. And really it was just about their love for each other, whatever that love transitions to in terms of identity, we don't know, but just the fact that they focused on that. And I also kind of liked the fact that it was playing with these taboos, you know, as you think of black gay men, which is a taboo in some ways for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. or the fact that you saw an Asian couple Seeing an Asian yes. man being sexual, which is always oh one hundred percent. So it's really, and I was I, I was taking a little bit of that because I was like, that is really great to see that as well because again, these are things that you don't see often, and you don't really see play out in the way that it does. For example, again, you think about you know Ludi and how you know some of the sex scenes, and it. it's like okay because you don't really see Asian men really get into these type of scenes. And it also plays into, you know, that whole belief that I forgot what it was when it was saying black women and Asian men are the least um, searched people when it comes to OkCupid okay, or whatever the dating sites are. So it's really interesting to see how we got to see a lot of that black, like, you know, you got to see sex between black people, sex between Asian people, um, Asian men in a sexual way, um, black women in a sexual way when you have um, Nicole Bari. So therefore, it was just a lot in this. And you know, if, you have, if y'all have not seen this, check it out. It is a lot to take in. Um, fascinating to see the video game pieces in it. <laughs> it gave me a little bit of the Matrix in some ways. Um, but you know, it's Black Mirror and you never know what to expect when it comes to these type of stories. Um, one more thing that I wanted to just add about um, that I loved where the episode kind of took us was um, while Nicole Barry's character wasn't as much of the focal point of the episode, yeah. I really did appreciate, without kind of spoiling anything, I really did appreciate where they took us on her journey yeah. and that she, because, you know, so often with um, these stories about sort of queer men, yeah. we, you know, the women, you know, the wives, the mothers, they kind of get sidelined. And I liked that um, they did. They did. I think do her some justice, and they, you know, she got hers in mm-hmm. some way in the end. And I and I really appreciated that because that's such a trope with these kinds of stories. Yeah. Very true. Very much true. All right. Well, let's let's jump into pose because that came back. Yes. Um, Yay. And. <laughs> I have to say it was it was very refreshing to see the story because I like the way and if y'all have not seen the story yet or you haven't seen the new episode we won't we don't want to completely spoil it because we know there's a lot of fans so um, we are in the we in the nineties now and we're at the time when Vogue came out so that was kind of really talked about and you know I was a little surprised they kind of kept it positive with with that um, I think it will change. <laughs> Yeah, part of me, I was kind of thinking that, like, maybe they're, 
you know, she's, she, she was really all about um, Vogue and she was really like, Madonna's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was kind of, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting that. But then I was thinking the song just came out. I could imagine being all hyped and then maybe, you know, a year later or whatever, you're like, okay, well, when, when is Miss Madonna gonna, gonna give us our coins, you know? Right. Um, well, Candy alluded to it um, when they were at the ball. Well, she's like, do you think they give a, a damn about our black asses? And then Electra was like, well, yeah, um, going back to when, <clears throat> excuse me, when Crystal Levesha was pissed off yeah, about these white women uh, winning all of these, uh, these balls and whatnot. So it's kind of the same format as far as, you know, this white people coming into black and brown communities, stealing, basically stealing some of it and then homogenizing it. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And it's weird because I'm old enough to remember when the song came out. I I remember being in high school when the song came out and, and being shocked a few years later to know that all that was from something else. Because where I was from in Tennessee, we didn't even have that conversation. We even, I didn't have any knowledge of the fact that this was something that wasn't hers. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I hope they do kind of explore a little bit more of how this, or how Vogue played out once it was kind of exposed that it came from a different culture than what we thought. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know I wasn't, I was just a baby when it came out. Mm-hmm. So once I got older, I was like, oh, Madonna created Vogue. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then come to find yeah, out. Th- oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say same thing. Um, I was born in, in 1990. So um, my entire exposure to that um, was through Madonna. And then, you know, I didn't have the context until I was older and I kind of started exploring um, and learning more about it. And so I would, I'd love to see that also, you know, maybe reflected somewhere in, in this story that they're telling, because I think it's something that I think it's probably a similar experience for a lot of us who it, we, we later found out that um, she didn't invent it. Yeah. Right. Can we also talk about this, brewing romance between Angel and Lil Poppy. I, I'm kind of not here for it. Oh, you're not? Why? Okay. Because I always felt that they were like older sister, little brother. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know what Poppy, Lil Poppy did on the, uh, the off season, but he is looking <laughs> a little bit right to me. He done got up in the oh, chair yeah. or something. He that time skip. Vitamins. Like, <laughs> yeah. I need a time skip like that because he, he he was always he was always a little cutie, but he's he's a little man now. Right. I was like, okay, little poppy. He's a, he's a <laughs> yeah, big popper now. He is looking a little cute out there, but I think you know I you know maybe it just naturally happened. Maybe they just kind of fell for each other. You know, it's just they you know they living there. They they're protecting each other, and I love the way he was protecting her and and, and the way he made yes you know. When he was beating that man up, I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> he is not playing." Shit out of him. But I, I, but I, I kind of see, I kind of, I can see it. I can see it really happening. But I also see, um, I don't know what his name is. I'm calling him Grant. I can see if what you call it comes back, that might be an issue. 
because mm-hmm. that was kind of her first love. Um, right. And who knows how that may happen. Uh, but I do appreciate, I do appreciate Blanca when Angel is out there um, just kind of chilling at the piers and then that cab <laughs> drove up <and laughs> like, just like somebody's mama. What you doing out here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. The the kind of family dynamic, is, you know, that they have and, you know, Blanca always is talking about her kids and, um, you know, motherhood being such a big theme of this show. I definitely do sort of see the point about Angel and Poppy um, and just the kids in general, like, um, but then I think too that they're, you know, they've been living together for several years now in these close quarters and really spending all of their time together and um, kind of, hype, you know, building each other up and that sort of love, I could very easily see changing over time, you know, the more that you kind of fall in love with someone in one way and then maybe, you know, suddenly realize it's the other kind too. But I'm curious to see where that storyline goes. Um, uh, I, I really like Poppy, so getting him more in the action, I think, um, is is great. Right. Um, I, and I also just really love. Um, I really love Angel's uh, storyline in this episode. I'm kind of worried. You know, when when things get a little too happy, I always kind of worry yeah, in yes. a in a show like this about what's going to be on the other side of that. But at least for this one episode, sort of sh- seeing her. Um, win and and sort of get you know get uh kind of move forward was it, it just made me it put a huge smile on my face and to see her family come to her come to bat for her also that was that was really great yeah we got to talk about the the opening part because i think it is so Ooh. important um i had no idea uh what hearts island or potter's field i didn't had no idea what this was about until they actually started talking about it. And I remember, what was it, Friday, when I was looking up notes for uh, today, how they just dropped us off like we were Ebola victims. And I started getting emotional just by reading from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, it was like, oh, yeah, Pose is back. But then you were like, oh, I remember why it was so rooted in such truth is because of bringing stuff like this to the forefront and letting everybody know. Um, what were you, your guys' thoughts about how it opened up and how it discussed uh, Potter's Field and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, I, I did not um, know much about this either. Um, and, you know, I consider myself to be someone who's pretty knowledgeable about uh, you know, a lot of this history, but it's something, it, you know, it's such a dark part of it. And I feel like, um, you know, this is, it, it just sort of, this whole episode, you know, like the act up stuff and the protest um, in the church, like stuff like that, like I, you know, ring rings familiar, but the island, I actually, I, I had to stop and I went and I looked it up and I was just, I was taken aback. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, um, and I guess in, in some ways it makes sense. I mean, you know, such a painful history and what could arguably be one of the most painful parts, you know, that people were really just forgotten, like really just thrown out in the back. Yeah. Um, and, and that is, uh, you know, more than anything, I think the, the, the saddest thing of it all, you know, 
removing all the other issues that these characters are facing and that these real people in real life were facing in terms of their day-to-day struggles. The fact that even, you know, were they even allowed rest when it was all over? And that just, that's, that's so haunting to me. And if you know New York has some kind of an island, you know, Chicago, Miami, San Francisco, LA, you know, some of the big cities have something like this in their um, history. And I, I was talking to one of the queens uh, yesterday um, when I was down at the drag show and she was telling me about how Dallas has something similar to this as well and how they were mm-hmm. just, you know, marking them up. Um, and if they were, if they died by AIDS, um, how they would put like a biohazard um, marker on them and just throw them away like yesterday's trash. It was, it's just how they systematically did away with it damn near entire generation. And it went on for many, many years. Like you, like we, we know a little bit from the eighties and the nineties growing up in the nineties, you know, you, you always saw like, MTV used to do like little spots and videos about HIV and AIDS. You know, you had Madonna and everybody else doing like little pieces about it, especially when it came up to voting and it was kind of brought up in those times. And one of the, I do remember when MTV did like a sex in the nineties and they had a gay person with HIV. Um, And I just remember just being like, wow, this is interesting and scary. And, and, you, and then you think about some of the shows that actually went into, you know, talking about HIV. And I remember A Different World did that as well. Um, but I was shocked to know about, you know, about, about Hearts Island because I heard some things, but I didn't really know that much about it. And um, I think it was from Joe My God many years ago. There's a person, uh, there's a blog called Joe My God that kind of talked about this space. And to know that we were just numbers when we died, it just it, it just freaks me out. But it also freaks me out to think about the black and brown lives we did not know about that were lost completely. Um, and that's something that really scares me because I don't know, we don't really know our history when it comes to that. We don't really know how that really ransacked our communities um, because we've always heard it from a white perspective. So I've always wondered like how many of us were lost how many of us were just abandoned? And, and that story that Pray Tell was talking about, one of one of his friends, I believe, it was my day he dated, um, was found alone, just kind of really, just kind of hit me. Like, wow, that's, we just don't know how many we've lost in that way and how many were alone when that happened because they didn't know where to go or who to talk to. So that opening scene just kind of just opened so many things about, you know, how we were affected when it came to HIV and AIDS back in the nineties, because it was something that it was still just running rampant before we, before we got a little bit of somewhat control where, you know, you think about some of the, the, some of the, some of the, you know, medicines and things they were using even those was not really safe um but you know it's just really interesting to think about how far we've come but at the same time just how how much we lost yeah <sighs> yeah it posed i i cannot say enough good things about this show it's just it's such it's rooted in such authenticity mm-hmm. that 
like I find myself wanting to watch it again and again and again and look up different things. And like they even, they paid homage to, uh, was it Jose Extravaganza? I think it was Jose. Um, yeah, he was there. Because Jose, I, I might get this wrong, because uh, Jose helped, was on actually on Madonna's video and helped with choreography. And I think he went on tour with her yeah. uh, during the, um, what was that tour called? Truth or Dare. Yeah. Well, blind, um, one of them. No, it was so the thing blind ambition was the tour okay um and I, I like how they paid homage to him a lot of people don't know about it uh because you know they don't know but i'm interested to see what is in store for this season and i'm scared that we might lose one of the main actors i don't know who I'm just scared that somebody is not going to make it through this season. I'm worried for Elektra because of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a hard season for Elektra because, again, this is Elektra not at the powerful stance that she's been. Mm-hmm. And I was a little, you know, maybe I was a little bothered by Praytale going off on Elektra because I was like, Praytale, you just went to one meeting and now <laughs> he did. <laughs> I, was, I get that you're passionate, yes, and you did lose. You've lost people, but not everybody's going to feel it the way you do. And you know, people are going. People are going to take in pain differently. So, for him to go off on Electra like that, I was like, you know, okay. I was like, all right, Angela Davis, you can have this. <laughs> Let Electra come into this at her own terms. Because eventually what we've learned about Electra is she will get there when she gets there. You know, when it comes down to it, she will support, she will be there. But don't try to force it. And I think that Praytel is trying to force it on her. And I was like, uh, that's not how you're going to win Electra. If you know Electra, you're not going to win anything over by trying to force her into stuff. So I was sitting there like, okay. I would have snatched the mic from Praytel at that moment. I'd be like, um... Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> right. Yeah, he did kind of, he read her way too harsh, I think. But it was also a little, a little bit necessary. I, I can see both arguments for that. Um, especially since Electra was living at uh, the Evangelistas mm-hmm. and under... Uh, Blanca's rules, you know, you have to come to this. Um, and where's she getting all this damn money from? Well, we're about to find out. Yep. <laughs> and also, how is Candy and, uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? Lulu. Lulu, where are they living? That looks like the Upper East Side with this nice ass apartment. Well, see, this, uh, is what, this is what they do. They give us all, like, they're they giving us the the stuff now, and we're going to have to see it all play out. Because who knows? Mm-hmm. They probably got some rich white man just celebrating them. Because, you know, in some ways, that, that's how it works sometimes. <laughs> that, well, that's true. I was, another... I was fully expecting Chris Maloney to show back up at the end there. I wasn't expecting that those two. Now, that would be a gag that uh, Lulu and Candy have <laughs> they... uh, Christopher uh, 
what what's the, whatever his name was mm-hmm. in his pocket in their pocket. At this kind of, I was kind of asking myself questions. So at the end of last season, where Candy had read, um, actually no, she wasn't being greedy. She was just being downright cruel to Blanca, telling that she was busted, like she needed to uh, shave her. Uh, her beard, you know, yada, 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 just being really cruel. Mm-hmm. The next season, well, the next episode, they're all talking together. Like, if you talk to me like that, the next time I see you, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> well, remember, it's been some years. So. Okay, well, maybe they build a bridge or whatever. But I'm like, wait a minute. Because the last time... They've always been like that. Because remember, you know, when Candy was trying to get some new booty and Angel was there being supportive during that entire time. So, I mean, I feel like they they are rivals, but they also know they all in the, in the same game at the end of the day. Right. Okay. I can see that. But, yeah. You know how we, we, we the same way? We could be like, we got something like if we... We'll run around the same crowd with people, but then we have our words. But at the end of the day, we will still defend them if somebody tries to come for it. You know, because I look at it like there were hoes I didn't like in the past. But if somebody tried to come for them and out, you know, being just either racist or whatever, I'm going to be like, no, you have to come for all of us then. So I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they just like, okay, we, we take it to the floor, but at the end of the day, you're still my sister. Mm, okay. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it might have been a fight or two, but you know, it's still right. You know, you think of set it off. That's how they were. They they were sisters. They fought, but end of the day. Oh, set it off. I've seen that movie exactly one time, and that was enough. <laughs> one? You seen it one time? One time, like way back when, when it came out, I remember my mom had went down to the movie warehouse and uh, rented it, and she was doing her little uh, recording to the blank uh, videotape. So she had this big collection of movies, and we all watched it and bawled our fucking eyes out. And I was like, Ma, don't rent this motherfucking movie no more. <laughs> you might need to watch it again. Uh, no. Mm-mm. It was a lot because I, I was mad. You do have to be in the right mindset for that movie. It's great, but but it leaves it just leaves you raw a little bit. Yeah, right. I'd rather watch Angela. I watch Angela's Ashes before I watch Set It Off again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's some bullshit. In the, oh, yeah, that is true. I'm like that. They was I can understand broke, but Angela's Ashes, them motherfuckers was poke. <laughs> but. <laughs> I I digress. <laughs> Let's get into this rumor that's going around. I don't know if it's real or not, but according to multiple sources, the creative team behind the '90s uh, cartoon and the X-Men animated series have been in talks with Disney to get the cartoon back up on their uh, the upcoming streaming service, which is I think supposed to be. Uh, released here uh, in November. And so they wanted to continue on the cartoon uh, after its fifth season when it ended, I think, 97, 98. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the artist, uh, Larry Houston, he commented saying that if the cartoon were to return the original aesthetic, I guess the, the Jim Lee um, 
aesthetic that they were going for would be would try to be kept on and they would continue on the story so uh if you don't know at the end of the series uh Lalandra had taken professor x with him with her to get help after he was attacked i think he would who was he attacked by great breed or he was a, uh, some white man i forgot his name uh and he almost died but Lalandra and the Shi'ar technology. She was like, yeah, let me go ahead and take this little, this bald-headed bastard and took him off. And, you know, at the end of the the series, you saw see all the X-Men looking up to the sky and whatnot. So what do you all think about this rumor? Do you think it's going to happen or you think it's just wishful thinking? I mean, I feel like it could go either way. I feel like we're in, we're living in these times right now where everything has is just as likely to come back as it is to not come back you know um i think that the the most interesting thing to me about that is that the idea that they would want to keep um the old art style um because animation has kind of gone in a you know a very different direction and so that would be the number one thing that i would be curious to see how they would adapt those designs and have it look like the old show while still having it feel modern and fresh. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, someone will get stabbed for all of this. <laughs> I don't want it to come back. I feel like Evolution was a better version. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Looking back now, I got more out of, Ele- out of, I got more out of Evolution than I did, what you call it. Um, animated series this is why Mm -hmm. because i felt like evolution gave us a lot more in terms of character development like we got more out of scarlet witch we got this scarlet witch that made sense to me because i mean she was like introduced her her issues of anger and it wasn't like i was weak and i couldn't handle myself it was more of like she was just there was anger and you know abandonment and things that she went through that made her you know, made her powers what they were. And they also gave us um, Agatha Harkness with that. And you saw more of how, you know, she was somewhat manipulated, but also how she did get control of herself. You got a little bit more about Jean and Scott. Like it, it felt more authentic with them, with those two than it did in the other series. I don't know. I, I just felt like I got more out of the characters. We also got to see, um, the new mutants kind of added in there. Um, we also got different types of, you know, they kind of play with the race of, of certain characters. Like a, a Magma was a little bit different, looked a whole lot different. Because if y'all know Magma, she was found, um, she's a part of this new, you know, in, in the comics, she was part of this new Rome and whatever. Um, and they were all in the Amazon and all that stuff, but she was this white woman. And I think they made her a woman of color in the cartoon. Also, they made Amanda Saffron, and that's um, Nightcrawler's adopted sister slash girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> made her a woman of color, <laughs> and she's mostly white in the comics. So I feel like we got a little bit more, got a little bit more, got a different type of rogue, but I get we got more, but this rogue was a little bit interesting because she wasn't flying yet, but you, she was more, she was like the step up from the movie version of rogue. Like, what if... Yeah, okay, I agree with that, yes. Yeah, Definitely. Like, like, the step-up version of her. Um, and 
it was a little bit less of a, I feel like a little bit less of the professor to a degree. You got a, we got a storm who was kind of the storm that I, I like, like we, 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 we had a campy storm in the animated series. This was a <laughs> storm that was like, okay, I can stand with this one. The other one is like, that's how I would be when I'm either halfway lit or, you know, in drag. But this form was that don't is, do that. Don't do that to her. <laughs> <laughs> no, because think about it. Because we, you know, if we like, as a person, like as a gay person, we would be overly dramatic with storm power. Of course, we'd be making up some sentences and stuff to say, like you will feel the power of my darkness through this. But we just got storm. Like you come for me, I'm gonna come for you. Like when she came after Mystique, she was not fair. Bodied Mystique. Mm-hmm. So, and we got a mistake that we can believe in, and this one too. So, I just felt like evolution gave us a little bit more, or maybe I was older to appreciate it. Maybe that was it versus um, the animated series. So, I'm gonna I slightly stand higher for evolution. So, if they wanted to go back in that route, I'm I'll be there for that. I think for me, since I I was here when animated series debuted and I was there when it ended, mm-hmm. it always holds more relevance to me. And I felt like Evolution was trying to fill that void of an X-Men show. Mm-hmm. And that's why I not, I might have, I don't appreciate it as much, but maybe I do need to go back and watch it. Um, I've also heard Wolverine and the X-Men was decent, but Wolverine's the actor's Wolverine's voice, how he was screaming, sounded like he was <laughs> like hoarse. It sounded like he needs some water or a lozenge or something. I was like, I can't get with it. Um, now, if they bring back the animated series, then they have to bring back the majority of the voice actors. Maybe not as much as, for example, Storm having all of these. Uh, these sentences to say to get powered up, but you know, they would have to, for me to recognize it as being, you know, a, con- a continuity flow to it. Yeah. Have some of the, the same actors. Now, obviously they can't bring some of the ones that are past like uh, yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, if they do, bring that back, then I would say a continuation of, you know, when maybe Professor X comes back and whatnot, but I would be okay with it not coming back too. You know, I like the, how it ended and everybody was like together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, I'm, I, I love both uh, both series, though I think um, Evolution I was a little older for, so I I, I remember the storylines more. Whereas I think the or the animated series I just grew up, you know, sort of watching it and knowing that I liked it. Um, but um, I will say, if they were to bring back the animated series, um, as long as they don't try to move around who the main characters are, because my favorite character of all time is Jubilee. And that was like the only time she's ever gotten a starring role in anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that would be the one thing I'd be happy to see come back is more of her. I would like to see her more a grown-up Jubilee. You know what yes, I mean? Like, totally. a, like more in touch with her powers, more 
I, I didn't I didn't like Jubilee how they portrayed her because she they portrayed her as like an annoying. She's such kid. a she was such a comic foil in that series, and you know I fell in love with her even in spite of that. But yeah, I mean when you think about like they've done so much with her in the comics. I mean she lost her powers, she went and became a whole different character. She got her powers back. She was a vampire for a while, which we don't talk about. She got a kid now. Um, like she's been through it and she's had some really interesting stories and I would love to see some of that Jubilee um, that, you know, you know, she, I think is, you know, a great example of like, you know, she's this young kid who's kind of grown up with the X-Men in the same way that many of us grew up looking up to the X-Men and now we're the adults. Yeah. And so I think that could be a really interesting story to tell through her specifically because we associate her with being like the kid, you know? Mm -hmm. She was like a new version of Kitty in a lot of ways because you know if you a lot of people grew up with Kitty as that as the eyes of the X Men, mm-hmm. Jubilee became that. But also, what was neat about Jubilee in the comics was Generation X because you really got to see her like, okay, I'm with another group. I'm with you know Banshee and and Emma are my teachers and my and. and I got M, I got Sync, I got all these other people with me. And it was neat to see her in that role because you got to see her really show a lot more emotion and a lot more seriousness to her, like who she was as a hero. So, you know, if they do kind of mix a little bit of her experiences in the comic to her being a little bit older now, I think that would be great because it could be her that's like leading them. It could be her that could be helping the new generation out. And then the others just like maybe they're in it too, but not as much. But it'd be nice if they did kind of focus a bit more on Jubilee and some of the other mutants um, in the in the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We will see because also the rumor is um, this is getting a little bit big around here in the Los Angeles area for those who are working in that in that area. That if when the X Men do come up in Disney they may be focusing on a whole different group. So, and that seems, that's growing stronger. And I'm like, how, who, how y'all, what are y'all hearing? It makes me really think like what they may do may be something similar, this is a rumor, to evolution, where it's like certain people are teachers and certain people are the, the X-Men. I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure y'all may have heard so many, so many things. <laughs> but that's what I've been hearing a lot lately around here is this, you know, they could go this route because it's characters that they feel like we've, we already know these people so much, but we don't know the others as well. And I'm like, yeah, you do have, you have a lot to play with from Gambit to Danny Moonstar to hell, Stacyak. <laughs> I forgot her name. She was like a prostitute. But yeah, um, you got so many of them you can play with. So we'll see what happens. I, I yeah, with the cartoon. I if they I mean, the- even some of the yeah, I was just gonna say even some of the characters that have been featured in the movies um, regularly, we really haven't explored very well. I mean, you know, Kitty has been in the movies, but she hasn't really been. Uh, a main you know she hasn't really been featured in the same way and same with Colossus I mean those are two of the most iconic X-Men and they've really just been glorified cameos more than anything um, up until Mm -hmm. now they haven't been the center same with someone like Jubilee um, or even uh, you know um, I mean uh, hello Emma Frost 
I mean, what a great character that um, has really not been done justice at all um, in the movies. So um, uh, not even close to justice. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, I think there, I think that, you know, a new cast would certainly be interesting. Um, yeah, I know. We'll see. I mean, I'm very, I'm just very curious what direction Disney is going to take it now that they've got them back. I'm going to really have to, I'm going to have to give Emma Frost another chance because I, girl, you was, I need to know what, because <laughs> you had said, oh, um, what's the deal with Emma Frost? I need to know where this uh, line of thinking originated from. Okay, but y'all, I think a lot of, some people already know I have never been a fan of Emma. I have struggled with Emma, especially when she came after Scott the way she did. And she, I think I was, it, this comes from the anger of the fact, this is a while back, I think in the early 2000s when, you know, she was brought in with the X-Men and she was start flirting around with Scott. And I think I was, it was more of the wound of when they, when they killed Jean. And I was like, no, I don't feel like, I don't appreciate that. And I remember I, I mentioned that to Phil because he drew the, he drew, the comic where Gene died. Um, he was drawing at that time. I think it was New X-Men. He, he was drawing that at the time. And so, and then with basically when she died and she kind of said, live Scott, she gave the permission for Scott and Emma today. I just never got into that. I was just so against that to the degree. I was, there's, an episode, there's a comic with Rachel and how Rachel took it because she just could not stand it. She even changed her name. Because she was a Rachel Summers and she became Rachel Gray. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, Rachel, I'm with you because this trollop, I'm not a fan. So I, <laughs> but, then, but it's weird because I did like Emma in Generation X. It was just this moment I felt like she was just kind of gloating um, in the face of the others. Like, I got Scott now. I got Scott now. And I just struggled with that. So that, that I would say that's where a lot of my things come from. But I, I just, mm, that's, that's my thing with her. I do not dislike Emma. I just didn't understand how everybody was just so, I guess I probably was mad that y'all not mad at her for trying to, you know, for stealing Scott and doing all this stuff. Was I the only one who's happy when Jean read her filth in that one comic where she went through her memories and just... Well, maybe because they see themselves in Emma. Yeah, maybe. And that's another story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, now everybody came for me. I ex I kind of expected that. I didn't say it to. G I didn't realize that. And then Phil started. Phil started it. <laughs> they all came as soon as he said something. He was like, "Girl, really?" And I was like, "Oh God, if you gonna say uh -oh, something, oh, here they come. They're gonna come for me, right?" <laughs> They were, nobody was mean, but they were like, how could you say something like that? I even got rooms. Because they usually come for me because I talk about Dazzler, because I'm not a fan of Dazzler. And they come for me for that, too. So, I think Dazzler has... Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. They, somebody needs to... I wonder what she would look like on screen. Mm -hmm. Well... Mm -hmm. Dark Phoenix, if you, saw, if you didn't see it, but she was in Dark Phoenix. Oh, uh, and I won't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll say that. I will, I will refuse to see that. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch somebody's colonoscopy before I watch that damn movie. <laughs> but yeah, that's a um, little bit of X-Men news. 
Um, and let's go over to E3, because E3 happened uh, this past week. Oh, my goodness. There was so many, so much stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, Sal, what were some of your uh, highlights or some of the best things that you saw from uh, the expo? Yeah. Uh, well, the biggest, the, the, the biggest thing for me, I've, I've been a long time uh, stan of Final Fantasy VII. And, you know, the Final Fantasy series is one of those ones that I, you know, I hate it, but you aren't allowed to love it unless you, or you aren't allowed to hate it unless you love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have to say, I was, you know, they they announced this remake and it's my favorite game of all time. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little hesitant and uh, based on their more recent track record and what they showed off looked really impressive. Oh yeah. Um, the, the battle system looked so much fun. I mean, I think we were all kind of worried that this was just going to be another Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy 15 kind of, you know, all you do is just attack, attack, attack. Um, not to discount, you know, other parts of those games, but, you know, I think we were all expecting more pure action. And so when mm-hmm. they said it's action, but then you go into this kind of slow turn-based, or not turn-based, but... Um, more menu-based system that's more strategic. I was just, I was just head over heels. I mean, it looks like exactly what I would want from a mod. Because at, at the same time, I don't know that I would want it to be purely turn-based again in this kind of HD version. Yeah, so, I don't think it could work if it was all that turn-based. Right. Yeah. So going in this direction and having each character be sort of have their own unique play style. Um, you know, like Barrett is obviously going to be long range and Cloud is more up close and personal and you kind of have to use them strategically. I just, that that just made me so happy because, you know, what you want out of, uh, out of a, a game with lots of party members is that they're actually different, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was just, I was blown away. Um, Tifa looked incredible. Um, yeah, that was definitely the highlight of, of the show for me um, the, of so far, yeah. I, okay, the remake has been in production for what? The better part of 10 years? It's been going for a while. I mean, I think they announced, they announced it the last time that I was at E3, which was maybe like five or six years ago. I, I'm excited for it, but I honestly... I'm scared that it's not going to happen on March 3rd Mm -hmm. because there's Mm -hmm. been like, they basically had to redo the game again and it's supposed to be episodic, but then it's supposed to be released on two different discs. And I'm like, if, if it's finished, why couldn't we get any kind of summons um, gameplay or some kind of, I, I don't think the game is all the way finished. Yeah. One thing that I was thinking about, because they've only shown off, you know, Midgar, and it seems like we're going to be pretty much there only for this first episode, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is fine, although Midgar was not actually that big a part of the original game. But then I was thinking it might it take less time to make the other the later episodes because a lot of the foundational work for that game happens in Midgar. You pretty much meet all the main characters, save for a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, your, you know, Midgar itself is the biggest area in the entire original game. Everywhere else, you know, the towns are maybe one area. 
Um, That's true. Yeah. So part of me thinks that you know by investing all of this time, they're probably all. It'll probably make the the future releases. Maybe they can work on them a little bit more efficiently because they've already built the system. They've built the models. Um, it's really more about the world that they kind of have to the rest of the world that they have to focus on at this point. But I mean, I'm I'm no game development expert, but that was just sort of me trying, you know, pretending to be one for a second, thinking. <laughs> And trying to be hopeful about, you know, finishing this game before I'm 40. <laughs> oh my God, yes. I feel like, I think I have a copy of Final Fantasy VII on damn near all of my systems. And I mm-hmm. still have it incomplete on the PS4 that I kind of just stopped doing. Because for some odd reason, I can't get past the weapons now. Like, I beat I beat the weapons maybe one time a long time ago. And now I can't get back, can't get past them. Especially, like, Ruby and um yeah, yeah ruby is the only weapon i can't get past now it's like it's oh my so- gosh i was just uh, now, now now i'm just thinking about like what are the weapons even going to be like and exactly in like games? or like gold There's saucer so- or mm-hmm. it's just a lot of stuff that we have we're so used to seeing and it's not mm. being seen and they were like okay is that going to be in there is that going to be in there um and can we say how Barrett looks fine as hell? Oh my god! <laughs> like, my oh. feet, my Twitter timeline was thirsty, thirsty. <laughs> and when they released, because I mean he's looking great, and when they released, but he's wearing the sunglasses in all of the the footage, mm-hmm. but they showed him without the sunglasses in uh, like the promo picture of him, and I was like, ooh, I need a moment. Yes, yes, I do need a moment. And I'm very, I'm excited to see what Red 13 looks like. Uh, right, because if, if we're in Midgard, that, then he'll definitely be showing up. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I, I struggle. Final Fantasy VII is not my favorite Final Fantasy, but it does hold a special place as far as my introduction to RPGs. Right. And another another uh, Final Fantasy that I was excited to hear about was the remastered of Final Fantasy VIII because everybody had been yes. wanting VIII to come back. And there was this uh, story that they had lost the source code or some... They had lost how they transferred from one um, system to another. So we would get all of these different uh, remastered versions of Final Fantasies, except 8. And for the longest time, everybody was like, well, where's 8? Well, where's 8? So finally, there's supposed to be uh, Final Fantasy 8 is supposed to be coming out, I'm guessing sometime this year. I didn't see a date on it, but I was very excited about that one. And actually, 8 is one of my favorites, aside from 10. You know, eight's the one um, that I've been most sort of yearning to play again um, lately. I feel like the other ones have all gotten released in different forms. Four has been remade, like, you know, countless times now. Um, nine is out on the Switch now, which I've been playing again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've, yeah, eight has been the one that has I've not revisited and the one that I'm kind of most intrigued to revisit. Um, I've always loved the music in that game. It's probably my favorite music in the series. Yes. And and I think the world is just so interesting. Um, and I feel like I've never really hated the justice it deserves um, as a game. So I, I really want to like really sink my teeth into it. So I'm excited that it's that it's going to see the light of day. 
Yeah, I'm very excited to see it again. And I I had it, I remember playing it uh, when it originally came out and then just kind of dropping it because I was so mad that at the end of this four, you had to put all of your magic back in the junction system. And I was like, I've wasted all of this time, over 50 hours doing this, and now I have to do it again. And I, I, that just irritated me for some reason. <laughs> uh, so I was like, eh, I'll just drop it. But I, I'm, I like to come back to that and appreciate it more. And yes, I think out of most of the Final Fantasies, Final Fantasy VIII's music is the best to me especially the orchestra version when you hear Fisherman's Horizon oh, or uh, Love Grows. Love Grows will always mm-hmm. bring me to tears how good that sounds. Um, and you can play Triple Triad again. I mean, what more can you want? Yes. <laughs> Even though I sucked at that and it took me like forever <laughs> to learn, but I will definitely be getting that when it uh, is uh, available. Um. Are, were there any other games that you were excited about? Uh, other um, presentations that you liked? Well, uh, Nintendo, I thought, really, um, really made me happy. You know, I think the Switch, they, they really said, like, let's just put every single game on the Switch. <laughs> um, and, you know, there were the obvious things like Animal Crossing. And, and, you know, I was really hyped about Banjo being in Smash Brothers. But then there were a lot of smaller titles that they announced, like they're remaking uh, Trials of Mana and they're remaking Panzer Dragoon, which I never thought I'd see that series ever again. Right? Um, like Nintendo really just sort of came out and said, "Here you go." Yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of the, be- the one of the better uh, Nintendo directs. Um, I, I really enjoyed enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to this year, this next year on my Switch, definitely. I do have a Switch, but I don't play it as often as my PS4. Um, actually, I don't, because my partner is usually on the Switch, so I'm like, eh. But I do want to get into it. Uh, there's still a lot of games that I want to get, like um, a lot of games that I want to get for it. But I think out of all of the uh, developers and whatnot that presented, I think Nintendo by far was the best one. Mm-hmm. And I don't. What is Xbox doing? Like, <laughs> I really want to know what exactly what they're they're doing. I've heard rumors that they're trying to move away from actual gaming until like a hardware type developer. But it just seems like none of their games are exclusives. They don't have like a big, a huge name. Like, they did have Halo at one time, but Halo's appeal, at least in my eyes, is wearing off. Yeah, I I mean, there's so many other games that have taken that genre and taken it in different directions. So I don't know, you know, that IP. um, You know, I I mean, I live for, you know, the, the classic Halo days, but I wonder, I do wonder, like, is that something to really live on? Um... I'm not much of an Xbox person, I must say. I've always been a Sony Nintendo kind of gal. Yeah. The only reason I got an Xbox is because it was I got it for Christmas from my father and it wasn't asked for and I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like the original Xbox, the big ass 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Game. I had, I had that one. And I remember my favorite game was just DOA volleyball because I liked dressing <laughs> up. I liked dressing up the girls and, and playing some volleyball. Oh, oh my gosh. That wasn't that just, <laughs> that, that was game just a great man's <laughs> fantasy as far as the huge, the girls with the huge tits and tiny little waist, and I was like, I know for certain some of those straight dudes. You know, after that, you know, it's funny because that game I always think about as like, uh, I I I got my life from that game, and like was definitely not the intended market, but like ooh, I dress up with these old dollies basically <laughs> um, on this old tropical island, and so it's just funny to think that you know this is some dude spank bank material that he made into a game. <laughs> And Basically. here, you know, and this little gay boy is over here getting his life. And me and my sister, we would just play and be like, ooh, like, let's match this bathing suit with this with this chew. And yeah, <laughs> um, one of those unintentionally, he unintentionally made this kind of campy uh, experience. Basically, yeah. So, yeah, that was E3. Um, <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> low key for me. Um, there wasn't it was a different E3. That, yeah. yeah. I wasn't really hyped to see anything, especially since Sony wasn't there. So I was like, okay, then what's the point? Yeah, I mean, so many games that um, I'm looking forward to, like maybe Death Stranding, um, which it got a trailer before E3, but wasn't really featured anywhere. And then like The Last of Us. I mean, I think everyone's kind of looking forward to that. And without Sony, we're not you know, gonna have any information on it. Um, so yeah, it was weird not having Sony present. Um, I'm sure they've got other plans, but you know, I think I, I used to, when I used to go to E3 and I used to work in games media, um, you know, E3 has always kind of been in this interesting boat, you know, before it was press only. And then, you know, Nintendo started doing the directs and everyone was just like, why are we spending so much money on these big press conferences, which on the one hand are very exciting for mm-hmm. I think consumers um, to watch. But for the companies and the developers, you know, they're, they're always working around this one date and, you know, they're, they're spending extra time making demos and trailers that they could just be making the games and spending all this money and time. And so uh, I feel like the industry has always kind of gone back and forth about it. Um, and then they opened it up to the public. And from what I understand, I haven't been since it's been open, fully open to the public, but I've... Uh, I, there's definitely a different, everyone that I talk to says that the vibe has certainly changed um, and that it's a different energy. And so I'm curious to see what happens with E3 in the future, only because I think especially look how many people turned to their own Nintendo Direct style presentations as opposed mm-hmm. to the big flashy press conference. Um, you know, Sony's doing it. I think Xbox is doing it, you know. Um, people are more interested in doing, you know, kind of doing things at their own schedule. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I would would be sad to see it go, though, because, you know, as a kid, you know, to this day, I look forward to middle of June when when I can wake up early and watch watch all the announcements. Right, right. It almost is seeing since everybody is doing their own thing that it's making it not relevant or, like, not needed. But... Mm -hmm. In an aspect, is it could, an argument could be made that it is and it isn't needed. So, yeah. Let's see. Is there anything else uh, that we need to talk about uh, in Utmay's tea before we clear up these teacups? No, but I feel like I learned a lot through y'all. 
<laughs> I just looked up Barrett. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I did see yeah. people talk about Nessa, and that, that was something. Uh, oh, yes. Nessa girl. <laughs> I, I love I love me some Nessa. She is, she, that design is so on point. It's very good. It's very, very good. I already saw, like, the next day I saw people doing cosplay of her. I know. Mm-hmm. I was like, people are fast. Y'all are quick. I was like, fuck y'all are quick. Even people doing like they'll be doing fan art and and costumes and makeup inspiration like in one day. All right. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but that's showing y'all how everybody like there's just the hunger for people of color in this stuff. And I'm sure mm-hmm. yes. a whole bunch of Nessa running around. But I was very excited and I was like, I don't even know what this game is. Um some <laughs> workers who have they had a switch in fact a switch just came out or something came out where they one of them was late for work because he was at target trying to get the game i was like okay yeah. and and he and i thought it was an iphone like, all right because <laughs> i was like oh, this, is, this is the new thing so that i learned a lot through them because they sit out in the main part of the office and they you know, talk about these games. But yeah, Nessa was a big thing and I was excited and I was like, I don't even know what she's going to do in Pokemon, but I'm glad she's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and clear up these uh, this teacups and whatnot and let's move on to our king size issue, which I'm very excited to talk about today because there's I'm so many so things to excited. talk about. <laughs> So, if you don't know, uh, America's Next Top Model was introduced to us way back in, I believe, 2003. Oh, um, my goodness. It was such a long time ago. I was still in high it school. Really... When oh, it was, uh, I remember my... I remember my cousin and my sister talking about the first season. I must have been in high school. And um, and I hadn't watched it yet, and I was like, "What is this show?" And 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 to think that it would go on for God, how many seasons did it have? Like twenty something? I think it at least twenty four. Yeah, at least twenty four. Yes. Uh, so yes, uh, America's Next Top Model has been on for the better part of twenty years, having multiple uh, contestants throughout. Um, starting with women only, and then in the latter latter seasons or latter cycles, uh, introducing the men. They've even had uh, a U.S. versus England type competition, was I thought was kind of blah. Uh, so let's you know just jump on into it. So you said uh, you were introduced in the first season, um, Sal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor, do you remember the first uh, cycle that you watched? I do. Uh, the first season, I think it was out when, because that show came out when everything was coming out, like every reality show. Yeah, that was the boom era mm-hmm. for like reality TV. Yeah, it really was. And I do remember a little bit of the first season because it was, oh, I forgot her name. But when she, she was kind of a fun girl that she won. Like she was like, Oh, um, Adrian. Adrian, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little crazy, a little out there, but she was fun to watch. And I really appreciated, you know, kind of watching 
um, her, you know, get this, but also just kind of the, like RuPaul, like how Drag Race was in the very beginning with that horrible lighting and everything. You, I mean, the first seasons were like, okay, <laughs> like y'all, I don't know what y'all pulling. It was budget. Yeah, they were in that broom closet of a judging room. Yeah, cycle. It was, it was great value. <laughs> Basically, they, I remember um, hearing that they didn't realize they didn't know that they were going to get picked up. So, like, they were basically getting this room together right before they were supposed to shoot. And like, as soon as they got the room together, they started shooting the uh, the judging panel, the first the first cycle. So that's why it looks how it looks so yeah. but yeah um that the first yeah, cycle the, was eh. did you have any standouts uh no <laughs> you know it's so <laughs> the first season of, of of that show i think um they were clearly figuring things out i mean in the same way that when you think about Drag Race or any other reality show. I will say, I do love that, thinking about the reality TV boom, I loved that um, when Adrienne, you know, she won and um, her modeling career did not quite go <laughs> the way I think she was expecting it to go. Mm -hmm. But then she became, um, uh, she married uh, Peter Brady and then yeah. they had a whole, spinoff which i remember watching like glued to the television for yeah. some reason um but yeah i mean this i think that was kind of the the thing about america's next top model was that it, it, it started off with this premise of like you know you're going to be the next tyra banks and you're going to be like mentored by her and you're going to just be on all the covers of all the magazines and then eventually it kind of as the show kind of continued to go and they you know, they had cycle after cycle and they, um, you know, not even season cycles, right? Like they knew that it was just this ongoing revolving door of girls coming in and out. Mm -hmm. um, and it sort of found its, it found its way as more of a reality show as opposed to this like aspirational, uh, you know, thing, like this one-time thing. Yeah. I think the first cycle was more, was the most real because it wasn't yeah. they didn't know what they were doing but they 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 only relied on the knowledge that they had of the business so you didn't see mm -hmm. this whole hoopla of production value you just saw them okay you're going to do this shoot with this design this designer or this photographer um it just felt more real to me mm -hmm. and then like you said yeah you know they weren't go ahead go ahead they weren't jumping on they weren't like jumping, jumping off of buildings and, and, and walking on water and all the crazy stuff that they eventually were doing right. that, you know, isn't as applicable to a real life modeling career. Exactly. Yeah. That was really like, here's a, you know, like the big drama, I feel like on, was it season one when, when the girl wouldn't pose in, un, in, in her underwear? Um, yeah. Um, Shannon and, uh, oh gosh, what was her name? The other, the Christian. Yeah, yeah. They didn't want to do, they were in Paris and they didn't want to do a nude shoot. And they were like, oh, yeah. um, my grandmama always said, if I don't stand for anything, I fall for everything. Fall for everything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Robin, Robin was her name. Robin, yeah, yeah. 
So. And I remember, wasn't it? I re- wasn't there a thing? I feel like it was Shannon. Maybe it was. It was either on one or on All Stars, where she said, um, I'll, "I will pose in, in a swimsuit, but I won't pose in underwear." And they gave her an outfit that she thought, because it had lace on it, that it made it underwear, even though it was technically a bathing suit. But that like completely threw her for a loop, and she was like, "I can't do this." <laughs> it's like it was All Stars. I remember that. I was like, "Girl, what are you doing?" Yeah, it's like they brought you back all the way all these years and you're still <laughs> gonna sit here and tell them you don't want to do that yeah. <sighs> yeah and then they were um on us cycle one ebony how i remember when they were getting the makeovers and the uh hairstylist didn't even know how to cut black folks hair and she was like oh yes. what do we do she was like we'll just uh draw our name on it and i'm like are you serious <laughs> like you just doing this to my hair like just cut it off bitch shit <laughs> but yeah cycle cycle one is always it was you know it it is what it was yeah you know what i mean was- and so they got a little bit more money you know <laughs> went on to cycle two uh and i know who was the the main judges it was tyra no was no lay no. Oh, Nole. He was. Uh, I think Nole was. I him. feel like. Yeah, I feel like it was. I mean, Janice was there for a good long while. Yeah, Janice. Um, That's when Nigel came in. Ni- oh. Nigel came in. <sighs> Nigel. Oof. <laughs> man. Hey, fucking man. Oh. Hey, yes, man. Uh, <laughs> and they also had. Uh, well, they had Nigel. And then Nigel was there for probably one of the longest runs um, of the main judges. Um, And then when Janice was gone, they brought in Twiggy. um, Yeah. Who was always just like two. Yeah. And she was just so nice. (laughs) I thought she was Um, too nice. She was too nice. But then they went the other direction. Cause do you remember Paulina Porskova? Yes. Paulina. (laughs) She she had some damn. She was just rude. She was yeah. rude, but I kind of, I kind of lived. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, out of those three, Janice, Twiggy, and Paulina, I like Janice the best. Oh, Only 100%. because Janice, yeah, she was crazy, but still, she knew what she was talking about. Yeah, yeah. more so than I thought Twiggy and Paulina were. I think. As far as Twiggy, she only saw a specific kind of model, i.e. Nicole. And that's why I think yes. because because Twiggy was on cycle five, that's why Nicole won that cycle. Oh man, I still have so many feelings about that decision. I I to this day, I think about the fact that they had Nick, who was just this gorgeous, beautiful woman of color amazing pictures like a face like nobody else mm-hmm. and then they chose nicole who to give her credit she was a you know she did her thing but she was so by the books like it's what i expect a girl to look like and nick is like a once in a lifetime face yes and i to this day when like even just when you mentioned nicole just now like i had shivers go up my spine i was like ooh, no 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 <laughs> we are not going back there we're not doing this again 
<laughs> right. It's just like, since we're already on the subject, let's talk about that just portfolio between Nick and Nicole. I felt like Nick's portfolio was 10 times Ooh. better than Nicole's. I thought yeah. Nick's walk was 10 times better than Nicole's. Mm-hmm. I felt that Nick had a certain, I'm going to say, je ne sais quoi about her that Nick, Nicole was like, oh, you can just find that somewhere else. You know, it, she, there was nothing about Nicole that made me, that made her special as far as a top model. She felt to me one of those models that you have for filler. That you're like, yeah. oh, we need somebody cute for like, I don't know, a 17 spray, uh, a 17 ad. Oh, let's just get Nicole. Mm-hmm, Versus, mm-hmm. oh, we need somebody for this luxury brand. Oh, let's go get uh, Nick. Yeah. It's one of, um, I remember, what was the one? It's the the shoot where they're like on like a, um, like a farm, but they're wearing yes. these like, and, and Nick is wearing, they were like in these Edwardian, Victorian, I don't know the era dresses, but Nick is wearing this black and gray and she has this top hat and then all yes. of her hair kind of billowing out. That, oh my goodness. I mean, hello, give her the, give her the crown right there. <laughs> right. Cause they had to, they had to choose somebody and then they had to model the same outfit as the person that they chose. That's right. That's right. Oh man. Yeah. Nick was one of my all time favorite girls. I mean, I, I, she, she really was one of the best ones and yeah. Yeah. I, I, will, I will say that when I'm looking, I'm looking back at just like the things they were getting. And it's interesting when we talk about how Adrian didn't think their career would take off. I think it's interesting to look at how their careers, you look at all the models throughout the years, how it worked in some ways and how it didn't. Like you think about, I go, my favorite season will always be season three because mm-hmm. it, <laughs> that was what I watched multiple times. For some reason, it, it, that just kept playing more and more like over and over again. And I don't know if it's because it was because of the channels or it was part of it was syndication or whatever. But I just remember I, I got more out of season three than yeah. I did most of the seasons because you had Eva, but you also had Takara and you had Yaya. I mean, oh my gosh, Takara and, and Yaya. <laughs> that should have been our top three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, hello, Takara. I mean, when we think about, yeah, like you were saying, like girls who you know, what do you do with, you know, they always say like on Drag Race now, it's like, um, like, uh, I remember like Trixie Mattel was like, it's not about, you know, winning Drag Race. It's about what you do with it after. Mm-hmm. And I feel like someone like thinking about ANTM in the same light, Takara really took it and ran with it. You know, she was on some other shows. She, she was in um, Italian Vogue, first plus size ever mm-hmm. in Italian Vogue. And that spread that she did. I mean, she That's really gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, she really, she was, I think, one of the first girls out of this show who understood, like, I can turn myself into a brand and really kind of use it as, as, a, as a stepping off point as opposed to an end point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very, and very same true. With, and same with Yaya, actually. I mean, Yaya has done pretty well for herself, too. Yeah. Yeah, she was uh, she was in that um, oh my god that Antonio Banderas movie uh, what was it oh that's right that she was also in I'm the Butler yeah she's on a t- she was on a TV show on NBC like one of the 
Chicago shows. Something. Mm-hmm. He's been. Did, did she? Am I making this up? Or let me hold on. She's been in Houston. She. I was about to say. Yeah. Was, did she play yes. Whitney? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she did play Whitney. And she can yeah, act. I mean, she actually has acting chops. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And I will forever be salty that not only did Anne on Cycle Three was not the first to go home um, before Magdalena, that Anne was saved uh, and Takara went home. Yeah. I will forever yeah. be pissed off about that. And I will forever be pissed off that um, I don't know what her name was, that how she talked to Yaga about um, African <gasps> oh. wear. Do you remember that little uh, and incident? Yeah, she had the. They were like she. She wore the cowboy hat, and yeah. the designer was like, "Well, I was surprised you didn't choose the kente hat." And Yaya was like, "Well, that's that's cheap. That's not real. And I want to go in a different direction." And they really like were not gracious about it at all. Like that conversation today would have gone a completely different direction. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what a time capsule when that when it was okay when it was okay for a you know a white designer to say like I feel like you're not embracing your Africanness um, to a black woman like on TV like what? You know that you know that you know that GIF of, of, of Miss J where she's just like like reaching out and she's like what what like I, exactly you know, like, <laughs> that's the, that's the that's the feeling that I have watching that scene again. Yeah. Another part uh, during uh, cycle three was when uh, Anne had wrote in Ka- uh, Cassie's brownies. And oh, yes. uh, that was so <laughs> hilarious to me because I thought that Cassie was going to fight Anne about these motherfucking brownies. <laughs> it was just like, I didn't understand. I, Anne was a pretty girl. Yeah. And that was it. She was just a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how she was. I didn't understand her model, why she was chosen. And like um, they, they said on the panel one time when they did that uh, that side by side, they had like a regular pro, uh, photo of them. And then a person like they were glammed up in some kind of some way or fashion. And she was. Uh, she had half her face black and then it was a different color and mm-hmm. she was in some red pants and I think they were posing with a car and how she she only has to she only has to like model when she's like in full kind of makeup and even that I was like eh, I don't know I, I didn't understand it but whatever I'm glad she didn't win <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, well, let's talk um, about. Go ahead. I was just gonna say on that note, um, I feel like Top Model is what really indoctrinated me into the world of reality TV meltdowns and fights and drama, because there are some really iconic, iconic um, moments on this show that I just I, I am obsessed with to this day. Yes, like uh, I think I might know where you're going with, but which um, <laughs> ones are you talking about? Well, I mean, 
obviously we have the iconic we were rooting for you we were all rooting for you <laughs> um i mean you can't go i mean you can't go a day on the internet without seeing that that image right right um and it, you know it's crazy because on the one hand i think you know this is you know iconic television and then you remember these are real people and i remember there was actually uh, an article a few uh maybe like a year or two ago they actually followed up with Tiffany and they talked about, you know, how's she doing now? And she's, you know, she's got, she's, things are going good for her because she was really going through it. I mean, I can, rem I remember that whole monologue about how her grandma had to turn off the lights to buy her a bathing suit. And, you know, right. in the moment it's like, oh, it's this, you know, it's this, you know, it's just this speech that we say every, you know, over and over again. But then you stop and think and you're like, oh shit, like, she, her grandma turned off her lights so she could have a bathing suit for this competition. And she went over there and she smiled and she laughed. And so, you know, it's, it, it, it is, it, it kind of takes you back and go like, all right, these are real people. I do have to like kind of put that filter on um, and remember that. Um, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> there's also um, so many great moments um, beyond just that one. One of my favorites is uh, from, I believe it's cycle, I want to say eight, um, when they were in Australia. I want to say it was cycle eight. I think I know what's <laughs> <laughs> I think you know where I'm going. So it's cycle eight, they're in Australia, they're doing go sees, and Brittany, who was actually at that point was one of my favorites. I thought she had this cute kind of, you know, 1940s pinup kind of look to her. Yes, yes. The red, this redheaded girl. And they finished the go sees, and of course, you know, if you're late, you don't get to get judged. And Natasha was late, and so she's just sitting outside while the other girls are getting their critiques. And Brittany shows up, and she comes in, and they tell her that she can't. Go, and Natasha says that you can't go in because she was, you know, a couple minutes late. And she has the best meltdown. She's like, "I was. It wasn't my fault. I told the driver." not to go the way he went and he did it anyway and he just and it's not my fault and she's literally on the ground sobbing in tears and natasha with her you know thick russian accent she just goes i want you to know that some people have war in their countries <laughs> <laughs> it was just like i mean <laughs> to this oh. day i say that like if someone's being a mess and you know there's not really a good reason I still say, I want you to know some people have war in their country. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so upset about that. Oh my God. <laughs> because there's, like, there's another one. I mean, there's a couple of situations where people will say like, people are dying or something like that. Right. I forgot about that because it was that accent and just how she looked when she said it. Exactly. Like, it's, I mean, you re the visual really does it. Does it the justice because Natasha... <laughs> Is this cute little, you know, Russian woman with this thick accent? <laughs> it's it's pretty great. Yeah, there was so many. Like, um, I remember the uh, granola bar, uh, granola bar gate in oh, uh, Cycle oh Five. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> where uh, Nicole was so upset that uh, a Brie had uh, emptied out her Red Bulls because somebody ate. Uh, Breeze granola bars and nobody to this day I remember on Tyra's show when she had asked the girls who took the granola bars nobody confessed to it mm -hmm. so it's still an unsolved <laughs> this, mystery 
Right. It's it's uh, it's Ariel's wigs uh, all, all over. Right. Again, like, but, we, <laughs> but we never got an answer. Exactly. We never got an answer. And well, now I want a reunion where someone is just takes out the granola bars and throws them in the middle of the stage. Says, here you go. Exactly. 20 years later. 20 years. Here's your damn <laughs> granola bars. And Nicole was just so upset about her Red Bulls. And I'm like, girl. So, you know, it's, I, I was thinking about this. Um, so I, I, every now and then I'll go into a, a, an ATM hole and we'll just watch an, a, a whole cycle, like while I'm cleaning or, you know, whatever. Um, I think my favorite cycle of all time is cycle six um, with Danny um, and, and Jody and Jade. Mm-hmm. Oh. And which, oh, we have, I mean, let's get back to Jade in a second. But um, <laughs> I was, oh no, was it? Was it cycle six? No, it's not even cycle six. Well, no, that is cycle six. Um, but what I was going to say wasn't even about cycle six. I'm sorry. Um, there was this, the cycle with Melrose. Seven. Seven. Okay, so I was one off. Um, so Melrose, because I, 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 just thinking about this like petty drama with like the Red Bulls and the granola bars, right? And as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, right, these girls were all 18, 19, 20. Some of them weren't, you know, most of them weren't even old enough to go to bars yet mm-hmm. when they were on this show. And they're put in this house. And so it, it explains a lot of the foolishness that was kind of going on. You know, they're basically teenagers, um, you know, thrust into this weird situation. But I remember right. w- when I was younger and Melrose on her season, she just seemed so... I was just not having it with her. She just seemed like she was just being unnecessarily whatever. And I rewatched that season um, when, uh, you know, as a as a, a a later twenties adult. <laughs> and well, I will give it. She she she. Just, I'm not fully um, exonerating her from all of her messiness because she she was a little messy. But when it came to stuff like like there were times where she was just straight up like, "Hey, can people do their dishes?" And it would become like a huge drama in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, like that's just me. That's just that's just roommates. That's just that's just normal adult behavior. And mm-hmm. so I have to say, uh, to to give credit where it's due, not all of Melrose's drama was rooted in her being being rude. It was she was actually a little bit older than everyone in the house. And so it was like, you know, a 25 year old living with a bunch of 18 year olds. And so I, I had this realization of like, wow, I I need to give you some I need to give you back some love because you were probably hating that situation. Yeah, I I can understand that. But <laughs> some of the, the things that she did, I can understand why they oh. rubbed other people the wrong way. Totally. But still, you can't be mad at somebody who came to compete and because at the end of the yeah. day, it's a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you think of that, about her being a little older than everybody, you know, she kind of probably went on, went on the show with very clear, like, I'm, this is my time and I'm using this time where some of the other girls maybe weren't in that same thought process. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I completely, but going back to, to Jade. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. The main event. (laughs) Jade was something else. Yeah. And Jade, I think she was the oldest in that season. I think, I think, uh, I think she was the oldest. Yeah, I think so too. So much to say, and but she left us some gems though. So that's why I'm just like I would, I will always appreciate Jade. 
Um, but yeah, just some of the memes and things. But I also think about the twins. We had a twirl twins in that season. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess. That's one thing that I think we, you know, in a lot of ways, um, ANTM um, was my first exposure to a lot of kind of queer, mm-hmm. um, queer people, queer icons, and queer people of color specifically. I mean, you know, whether it's the twins or Benny Ninja, remember giving posing lessons? Yeah. Or, um, I mean, even Miss J, like there, there were a lot of people, Andre Leon Talley. Yeah. Um, so there was just so many, uh, so much exposure to, uh, even Raja before she was on Drag Race was on, yeah. was the makeup artist. And we got to see uh, Sutan as Raja. For the and longest on the time. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so it's just funny to me, that, you know, thinking back that I didn't even realize it at the time, but ANTM was kind of this like educational show for, in terms of like learning about queer people of color. Right. You know, in a kind of sideways way, right? Like it was like, they weren't the main focus, but they were positioned as experts and leaders of the community and people that you are going to be reporting to if you become a real model, you know, like they were, they were presented as, as the people in charge. Mm-hmm. And, oh, shit, I just lost my train of thought. Fuck. Um, it'll come back. <laughs> like it literally just poof. Um, yeah. Damn it! What was I about to say? I feel like there was, uh, there was also one. I feel like there was maybe one or two cycles where um, I'm I'm struggling to place which ones. But I remember thinking, this is one of the only shows on TV where, when you actually look at who the authorities are, so the, the host, the judges, the mentors, it's all people of color. Mr. J, Miss J, Tyra, Nigel. Um, you know, obviously we've we, you know we've had hosts like um, like Janice and such, but there was a point. I feel like there was a couple seasons where maybe it was one of the seasons with Andre, but um, there was there was a point where most, if not all, of the people that were kind of running the ship were people of color and largely queer, and I think and women, and mm-hmm. I you know it doesn't seem at the time it was just what it is. And now looking back, I'm like, wow, like today that would be a headline, right? Like people would promote the show with that information. But at the time it was just like, nope, these are just the people on the show. Yeah. Uh, Did you notice when, let's say I'll, I'll go through like maybe cycle one through four, when they introduced Miss J, um, he was very, Cycle one, he was more toned down, mm-hmm. um, just told the girls how to walk and whatnot, and that was it. Come cycle two, three, four, he was more flamboyant, more quote-unquote gay, as mm-hmm. far as how he would tell the girls how to walk and whatnot. And then, you know, carry on through the cycles, it was his even more flamboyancy and whatnot. Do you all think yeah. that that was a, a direction that he took from himself or that was maybe a production note and a creator note to be more flamboyant, to basically gay it up for the audience? I would think a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think they wanted to see what works. Yeah. Um, But 
But I also think Miss J was like, let me, let me give you a little bit, but not everything right away. Because I think with any of the, like you think of with any main person in these type of reality shows or competitions, you, you can, in one voice, you can say, yeah, just give us everything because we don't know if we're coming back. <laughs> but I think this was more like, give us a lot because at this point, you were seeing different judges kind of come in and then maybe somebody would come out. You think of, we had Kimora in there for a little bit. You had, you know, about Twiggy, you think about Polina, you think about all these people who've been back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, even Rita or uh, at the very end. But it's just more of, like, you had, <laughs> I guess they had to figure out what works, what will keep people talking about us, what will keep people interested in us. And I think they already knew Miss J had these things, I think just wanted to see how it would play out. So I want to say a little bit of both. I think what Miss J felt more comfortable, like, putting this out there, I think that's what made it more authentic versus, like, come out here and do what you want to do versus uh-huh. let's just kind of grow into it and people get used to you and you get used to having this fame. Because I think what some people don't think about, and I'm speaking like I've been in a reality show, but <laughs> I think what people don't think about is, you know, you have to be mindful of what you're going to portray on these type of things. Because when you do that, that is how you will be, I guess, typecast or viewed forever. Mm-hmm. Like you think about Jade, we will always know Jade as this, as this not villain, but this person. The way we think of Amorosa now. The way we think of mm-hmm. people in these shows. So I feel like there's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with Miss J, you know, we have one of those situations, too, where at the time when when she first uh, when he first comes onto the show, it's in a very small role, and they at the time it was a different time, and so I would imagine the, the executives, et cetera, probably didn't really know what to do with someone like Miss J, mm-hmm. and maybe they weren't sure, you know, how are fans going to respond to this person that's on TV, sort of breaking gender norms and being extra. And then when they see from the fans and they see a positive response and people really like Miss J to the point that they upgrade him from, um, you know, occasional guest mentor all the way up to main panel judge um, for a long time uh, to the point where as a judge, he gets his own gimmick, you know, with those bows or the wigs or the numbers that, that yeah. he would always wear. Um, and they were like, okay, now that we know people like what he's doing, let's just let him do it. Um, and I think it's interesting, you know, when you think about Top Model, it, it, when it's from when it started to when the last season, which was only last year, I think, was the most recent season um, of the reboot, at least. Like, it really came, um, it's really gone through a couple eras in terms of, like, queer people on TV and, like, what we're allowed to see. And yeah. I feel like maybe if I would, I would love to, like, match up the years, like, what did the rest of television look like for each year of the cycle and sort of compare like how gay was, were they and how exuberant was AMTM compared to everything else on TV at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a, a really good analysis. Mm-hmm. Let's see as far as the, the TV landscape, as far as queer representation in reality mm-hmm. TV. Yeah. I, I've always loved Miss J. Um, Mm-hmm. when when she got even more flamboyant and when she that just sold me on her <laughs> uh, 
because some people think, some people it's like, oh, Nick, you're just like Miss J. Um, and I'm like, at first I would take offense to that, but then I'm like, you know what? I will own that because I'm secure in myself. And, you know, I got a, a walk, a runway walk to matches anyway. So <laughs> there's that. Um, I was very, I don't think uh, people appreciated Andre Leon Talley as being on one of the, that uh, some of the cycles, because I think he was still um, working at Vogue then, yeah. or maybe he had just stepped off. But to have somebody like Andre Leon Talley giving you pointers is like huge. Yeah. Yeah, and going back on Miss J, I, I love the fact that we were seeing a femme, we, we've always seen femme black, femme black men before, but I think this was just something that was a more celebration of that in the sense of the talent Miss J has. And I think that was something where it's like, you can clown on Miss J, but Miss J has a career. Miss J has made a career out of this. And you had to respect that. And I think that's something that I thought was healthy to see at the time, because again, with them gay men always getting, you know, just hammered on, but then also thinking about that this was a black queer man. Um, You got a lot and you got a lot to see, you got a lot to respect from that. And, you know, I'm really happy that Ms. J was able to kind of grow throughout that time there. And, you know, I'm glad you didn't take offense to that because in a lot of ways, that's success. That's, that's a beacon of success. That is saying like, this is what I can do. This is what people know. People know Miss J mm-hmm. for a reason. And I, and I think that was a great thing to see. You know, there's always gonna be people argue about like the black man and what have you, what have you, what have you. But I think what I appreciate about Miss J is you always see the spectrum of success in black men. And whether you're gay, straight, whatever, mm-hmm. it's the fact that you saw that and you could not deny it. Most definitely. I think, too, when you think um, about just the, you know, Miss J, uh, Andre, um, the twins, um, and even in the more recent seasons, you know, um, we've got La Roche on the panel. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing a variety of people who, uh, black men, black queer men, who, um, yeah, are all, um, you know, I think you also see something which is they're all uh, working in fashion. They're all queer men. And they're all, I would argue, you know, to a degree, um, you know, they're non-traditional masculine, right? Non-traditionally mm-hmm. masculine, and, but in different ways. And I think there's, there's a certain magic in that too, which is, you know, people who watch this show have gotten to see that queer black men and queer femme black men are not all the same. Mm-hmm. They come in, there is a variety. Mm-hmm. There is the opulent Andre and there is uh, the, the diva of Miss J. And then there's the really kind of sassy La Roche. And, you know, I think that is, that is great to see because, you know, it, it brings humanity and it brings uh, variety to what could easily be seen um, you know, when you're thinking in isolation, that it could become a trope, like, oh, here's the sassy black gay guy. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. when you have a, a multitude of options, suddenly that feels less of a trope and you see the humanity there, right? 
That's very true. Very true. So what were your all, some of y'all's favorite photo shoots? Um, me? I'm a, I'm a, I love, because it was so much drama around it, was that whole spider, the, the spider, the, all that stuff when Eva and them were going oh, through. And that Eva, one is iconic. And Eva was just losing her mind about that whole thing. But the fact that she, she was having a tough time. Yeah. But she tied it all together and I was like, that's how you do it. But it was a moment where it was like, this is when you you have to pull it together. And it was kind of a weird message of we go it was something interesting about that. Cause when I first saw it, I was like, it kind of hit me like, as black people, don't ask me why I felt this way, but <laughs> As black people, we're going to be put in situations like that at all times, every time. People of color in general. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we have to smile through it. And we have to do what we have to do to survive, win, achieve. And it just kind of hit me when I first saw it. Like, that's, that's, that's kind of a metaphor for what we do. It's like, yeah. me and this, I could be, yeah, you can be poor, but you got to make the best of it. I could be working at Walmart. But, bitch, I got to make the best of it because this pays the bills, put gas in my car, mm -hmm. and all these things. And I think that was just the moment when I, I just took a lot from that. Yeah, most definitely. I think, too, the, um, one of my favorite photo shoots was definitely, I think, Cycle. Um, I want to say, what was it? Um, it was a cycle with Allison Harvard on it. Um, and they did, this is just probably my favorite photo, I think from the show ever was her in that like bird's nest. Um, uh, was it, I think it was 11. I want to say 11. Yeah, she's in this like bird's nest um, and she has this giant crazy hair um, and it's all black and white. And I just think mm -hmm. it, is one of, it is just gorgeous. Like I would love that framed. I would put it in my salon as uh, Andre would say. <laughs> um, but you know, at the same time, there were also some, I think one of my favorite things about the show is like, there's so many good photo shoots and there were so many like, just crazy over the top ones. I mean, like mm -hmm. when they were in literal graves, that was <laughs> they were literally in open graves. Mm -hmm. The day after one of the girls found out her friend died and they put her in a grave. That was I mean, fucked up. That was <laughs> like, what is so going on? Up. That was a mess. The show, the show really did torture some of these girls. Yeah. yeah. I think one of my favorite shoots were, uh, <sighs> so many to choose from. I think on cycle four, when they were in South Africa and they had to do, um, they had to embody a, an animal and uh king mm -hmm. was an elephant Brittany was a giraffe uh you know naima was a cheetah um I, I really liked how that was styled i like how i think all of the girls did a good job um mm -hmm. it was just so it was fun it was really fun to do um there was just so many really good editorial shots that I, I enjoyed throughout the, the cycles. 
but I could go on as far as, you know, how many, <laughs> which ones I liked. When they yeah, posted, definitely. Um, I think it was Natasha. Oh my gosh. When they Jocelyn. were like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jocelyn. Oh my God. And then they were all like these like dead bodies. That was, that those pictures were gorgeous. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, that was very, it was editorial and you could see that in another, like a, an Italian Vogue or, you know, some kind of Harper's mm-hmm. Bazaar. And it was very high fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was Brittany that she was out of the tub and she actually looked like a, it looked like a steal from special victims unit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I do remember that photo. Yeah. That was, you know, pre breakdown. I mean, she was giving photos like that. Yes. Um, and she really was delivering. I remember they did one that was, um, it was like different disorders and they had um, the the twins both had uh, eating yes. disorders. Yeah. And there's the one where she's in the bathroom stall and she's, you know, like eating cake and she was like trying to cover her face. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, she, the other twin is like, just has the waistband, the, the measure tape around her waist. And I mean, those photos were stunning and really like told a whole story. Right. Um, and I, 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 yeah, those kinds of shoots I always really, really responded to because it felt like they were really trying to, you know, create a narrative. Mm-hmm. And that same cycle, um, when they were, I guess, in Barcelona, uh, and I had the mm-hmm. the shoot with the bull. Yes, 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 with those the flag. Out. Yeah, basically, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those came out so good, and um, yeah, those were. Oh God, what was her name? The black one. <laughs> Hers was the best out of the whole year. I'm mean, out of the whole um, shoot. <sighs> yeah. Uh, you guys want to say anything else before yeah. we, because <laughs> we can go on and on to talk about <laughs> next up model. I I could talk. I could talk about the show <laughs> all day long, but I'll spare you guys my my like all my opinions about it. <laughs> I mean, I thought I think but, next up model was. Well, is or is it still on? Because I stopped after, I don't know. Well, it it kept going. And there was a cycle last year, um, which actually had, where they brought Tyra back. And they had some, they actually had some good girls. It was like a body positivity season. So they had models with different proportions, um, you know, not just model you know, traditional model proportions, um, which they've, uh, which was actually like not, not bad. It was pretty fun, I thought, but I don't think they've officially renewed it yet. So we'll see if the show still has life in it or not. Yeah. I wonder, I always wonder what would have, <laughs> I remember when Tyra released that single, Move Your Body. <laughs> and I always wonder, like, I'm surprised. <laughs> we, never, we never got an album. We never got we never got I mean, a, yeah. I always wonder, like, what if we would have got a full album? Would that really went somewhere? I mean, J-Lo went somewhere. Would we? Well, J-Lo yeah. had other talents. But, uh, I mean, like, dancing and stuff. She has those things. But you never I know. I mean, whenever I think of... Like, were we gonna yeah, get I mean, whenever I think about Tyra, she's got, you know, we, we got to talk about Tyra for a second, just that she... I mean, she released that single, but she also didn't. She get she got like a Harvard business degree. Yeah. She um she released that book, 
yeah. about Tuki, the model. And <laughs> she, she has her she, camp. You know, she's really, yeah, she's got her camp. Um, she's really, like, been a, just doing everything. Yeah. Um, and made. so. In a lot of ways, I feel like, well, I, I, don't, I would say that's kind of, like, self-made. Because you think about mm-hmm. how she took that show and where she went with that but also she was she was becoming more than just a model anyway she was in higher learning she was in fresh prince um i mean she had tyra the talk show for a long time at that um, and on that doll size or life size life size yep which they uh-huh. just did life size too <laughs> yeah everybody liked but you know um I just feel like that she really did a lot for herself even even you know got back into um, when she did that um, photo shoot for um, Sports Illustrated, just giving the girls... Oh, yeah, just this, just, just this year. Yeah, just reminding the girls that, bitch, I, I did all of this. Yeah. I this. I, she really did. <laughs> she started. And she really did start from not a lot. Yeah. And she, she broke down a lot of barriers, and then she just continued to build her brand. Mm-hmm. And, and she really just hasn't let up. And she, uh, yeah, power to her. Um, yeah, I love her. <laughs> yeah, all her crazy pretending to die and shit. Like, <laughs> oh, when she had that damn, uh, when she <laughs> fell out on cycle six, when she was acting. Yeah, when she was acting, I was like, girl, I would have fight, fought your ass for that. <laughs> like it's acting, it's acting, and then somebody started crying. Feranda started crying. I was like, girl, if you don't get, oh, Feranda, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> right. Well, uh, Sal, it has been a pleasure for you to be on our show. Um, thank you so much. And you'll have to come back uh, whenever we talk some yes, more about please. Next Top Model or anything else. Um, if you wouldn't mind, you can tell everybody where they can find you on the internets and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, just at Sal Matos, that's S-A-L-M-A-T-T-O-S. Um, my OnlyFans is... No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, Listen, we are... Uh, what? We support small business owners. Is <laughs> that a small business? No, but thank you guys. Thank you guys. This has really been so much fun. Definitely, I would love to, uh, love to be on again. Oh, yeah. And you can find us at on uh, oh shit! I, <laughs> you can find us at on Twitter. We're at Mechachine Pod. I'm at Porter Pizzazz. Victor's at Wonderman Five. You can like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Mechachine Pod. Um, let's see. Anything else before we get up out of here, Victor? Um, no, as we were saying before, you know, check out Black Mirror, you know, check out some of the things that are happening. Um, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're still a fan of Jessica Jones, the season is out. It's not bad. I'll say that. Um, but no, you know, y'all keep it real. Keep it safe. Have fun. Oh, and shout out to all the, the, the countries uh, legalizing same-sex marriage, like uh, Ecuador, yes. uh, Taiwan, um, there were some other countries I'm forgetting. Was it like Finally. A, or something, like an African country or something? Oh, uh, 
wasn't it Botswana? Yeah, I think it's Botswana. I think Botswana decriminalized uh, homosexuality. Yeah, yeah that's well, great. That's, yes, so good. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Big win. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, no, no, y'all, we will see y'all later.